0: It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connect podcast. Today I want to talk about if you have a child that runs away from you. (laughs) So on Instagram, when I kind of have conversations with new people that I haven't talked to ever, um, I like to ask just if there's any behavior that if you could like wave a magic wand and make it go away, what would that behavior be for the age of kids that, you know, the person currently has? And a while back, I had been chatting with a couple people and they all said, my child runs away from me and it's unsafe and I don't know what to do about it. So I finally wanted to get to that topic today and talk about how I have handled this before. Um, I haven't, it's never gotten to the point where my child has like actually run away from me, but um, kind of, you know, like crossing a parking lot or something like that. There have been times where I've had to hold the boundary and kind of do some of the things that I'm going to talk about today with that child to help him understand, you know, you can't just be free here in the parking lot, especially at this age. Nobody can see you. No cars can see you if they're backing up. I mean, now I guess it might be a little bit different with the backup cameras and stuff, but they can see me. They can't see you. Uh, So I wanted to dive into that topic because I think it can be really challenging for lots of reasons But also it can be scary (laughs) like, you know, it's the for the safety of your child. So Let's just jump in. I'm just gonna kind of go through exactly what I would do if I had a child who Was attempting to run away from me and hopefully it will kind of help you as you Encounter situations where this happens. So and I know a lot of people will say like get those leash things or whatever, which is fine if that's something you want to do. But I think it's really important, just like you would teach your child not to touch the stove. Like we need to teach them how to behave safely in different instances. And, you know, if it's something you're never going to encounter again, then sure, maybe you can use some sort of adaptation like that. Or if your child has, you know, cognitive impairments or something more that is going to impact them from being able to do this immediately, like I still think they're important, but there might be instances where that is necessary. But I think for the most part, you know, my goal is always to get to the root cause or help the child understand why this is necessary and why it's needed and do that without having to have these things. Like what if you, you know, forgot the leash or whatever they call it? And then what would you do? You know, like I want you to be prepared to handle these different situations without having to have other things, like without having to be prepared with physical objects or, um, yeah, just things like that. So the first thing would be to set the expectations with your child and clearly communicate them. So I think a lot of times, we don't necessarily, as adults, talk through situations. We don't verbalize certain things. You know, for example, going to the doctor, like what's going to happen there or, you know, kind of step-by-step things that happen. We just go and sometimes we don't maybe want to talk about what's going to happen because you know your child's going to react to it and you don't necessarily want to deal with that. But, I think a lot of the trouble comes when we're not clear about what's going to happen and then our child has no expectations, they don't know what's going to happen, and that feels scary to them. So giving them clear expectations of what you are expecting of them in whatever situation it is, and then clearly communicating that, and not just once, but several times. So for example, if your child runs from you in the parking lot and you know that you are going to go somewhere this afternoon... Um or that afternoon, <laughs> that has a parking lot and your your child has to come with because you don't have any other options, then starting that morning, I would set out at breakfast time saying, today we're gonna go to you know, XYZ Place and they have a big parking lot there. And when we get there, before we get out of the car, I want you to hold my hand, jump out of the car, and we're gonna walk together so that we're both safe, so cars can see you because they'll be able to see me and I'll have your hand and that sort of thing and just kind of talk through exactly what's going to happen. It doesn't have to be long, especially if your kids are little, (laughs) obviously the shorter the better, but then talking about that several times. So maybe then at lunchtime, you say it again. And then as you're driving to this place, when you're almost there, saying it again so that it's fresh in the child's mind so they know beforehand what's expected of them versus you know getting there and they want to just run free and then you're like nope you can't run free you need to hold my hand and then there's this battle of control and then it blows up in your face whereas if you can start off that morning being really clear your child is already preparing okay when I get there I'm gonna have to hold my mom's hand versus in the situation in the moment The next part is making sure that you hold a firm boundary that your child needs to either hold your hand or be carried and follow through with that. So, I mean, it can be whatever boundary you want, but that's specifically what I've done before in situations where I needed my child to hold my hand to be safe um, and he was trying to run away or like didn't want to hold my hand, not maybe necessarily that he was going to run away, but um, I just said, you know. For safety reasons, you either need to hold my hand and if you don't want to, I'm going to have to carry you because I need to keep you safe. And holding it firm, like this is what is going to happen, following through with whatever that is. So if your child continues to refuse to hold your hand, literally pick them up and carry them. And that might look like they're flailing and screaming, (laughs) thrashing around, but following through with what you said. And when you hold this firm boundary, doing it in a loving way. Um, If you haven't practiced holding a loving but firm boundary and then following that up with listening through an upset that will likely come from holding that boundary, I would highly encourage you to do this at home and practice it consistently first so that your child knows when you say something, you're serious and you're going to follow through and you can do that without being agitated and annoyed and frustrated you can do it in a calm way what I need to keep you safe so when we're in the parking lot you have to hold my hand and if you don't want to and if that's too hard I'm going to have to carry you and you can do that in a calm way Um, if that's really difficult then do practicing this at home because it's likely that maybe you haven't been and so when I say listening through the upset I mean, listening through the entirety of it. So, so often people will tell me they're okay with the crying, but really, if you kind of pause when your child is crying and having this big meltdown, can you actually sit with it for the duration of the time that they decide they need to be upset for? That they decide they need X amount of time to process through whatever is inside that they are working through? You know, if you were crying, would you want somebody, you know, your husband or a friend to try to distract you from it or ignore you? Like, how would you want to be treated if you were struggling? You would just want somebody to support you, right? So that's the goal of listening through your child's upset is allowing them the space to do so versus trying to distract them away. Um, Reason with them, that's a big one, is like we don't want them to feel upset or bothered and so we try to reason away the issue. You know, if a brother took a toy, oh you can have this one or you can have it when he's done or you know just trying to give them uh, a reason why they don't need to cry about it and that's actually hindering your child's ability to process through hurts. So really practicing this at home. um, For example, cleaning up is a big one here. (laughs) My three-year-old is very, um, I don't, you know, kids just have different personalities and he, he's just kind of one that likes to, um, push the boundaries and he likes to really test you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of times people think, oh, this child is, you know, terrible, but really, you know, we want kids to question things, right? Like we don't want our kids to just follow everything that's being told to them. At least I don't, um, because there's lots of things that I have questioned and I'm glad I did because, you know, it led me down a road of learning different things. Um, But sometimes it can feel really frustrating because we think, well, our kids need to listen to us immediately. Um, And that can still be your goal is that your child is listening to you, but they can listen to you while you hold a boundary, while they also have feelings, I mean, it doesn't have to be like this second they do it. You can still have that gap in between and they follow through while you're following through with the listening and the boundary and it still is, you know, teaching them obedience. Um, So for example, this cleaning up. A lot of times (laughs) um, my youngest would, well, I guess he's my middle child now, but he would like to just like, Kind of like just walk by and knock something down or push something over, or if he starts to get overstimulated or bothered, he it's like he just wants to. Like his response is just like let's just trash this place, you know. Um, and so, obviously, my goal is to step in and stop that. But sometimes it it just happens, and I can't stop it every time because I just can't get there in time. And so, you know, I will say we're you're going to need to clean this up, and I honestly, we'll keep him in that space until he's ready to clean up. So if, if we're out in like the main living area, kind of like kitchen dining room space and he is, I don't know, spilled something, I will have him sit on my lap unless he is able to stay next to me, which generally at his age, he has not been able to do because he wants to just get away. Um, so I will just have him sit on my lap and just say, you know what? We're gonna stay here until you're ready to clean it up. And he literally has to stay next to me or on my lap, depending on if he can control himself enough to stay in the area until he's ready to clean up and then clean up and then he may go. So I'm not, you know, physically exerting more control than I need to. I'm not yelling. I'm not agitated. I'm just saying like, this is how it is. And when you're ready, go for it. And so often when I say when you're ready, um, that like um, drop in my trying to control him allows him to much more quickly choose to do it because he doesn't feel forced. Although I am still requiring him to do it. He's just allowed the opportunity to When he's ready to do it and in the meantime he doesn't get to go off and play he doesn't get to go read a book he doesn't get to do anything but sit there until he's ready so obviously that can look different for you and if if you're wondering how to do something like that that is something we can you know chat about but I just wanted to give you kind of an example of in the home what that might look like because if you're not regular regularly practicing it your child isn't going to know you mean business and um, even if you're able to hold the boundary, your child is probably going to have lots of big feelings about it. And I know that can be stressful for a lot of people when they're out in public. So really practicing beforehand can help with that because your child knows, okay, my mom's not going to budge on this. And generally then they will kind of just give in quicker. I don't know if given is the best word, but comply. Um, and also if you're setting those expectations, Okay, so outside of the actual time when you're going to be, you know, engaged in the activity where a child usually runs from, I think there are a couple of things that you can also be doing to prepare your child for those situations. And these, I say, are outside of those Um, those times. Like for example, if you're going to be walking in a parking lot and that's the time where your child usually runs away, this would not be the time to do these things that I'm about to talk about. These would be for like at home, when you have free time, when you're playing, when your child's happy, those sorts of things. So the first one is to learn about safety reasons beforehand. So um, you can do this with pretend play. If your child is into like the little people, toys or Legos or dolls, whatever it is, pretending, you know, and going through some of these safety things through play because kids learn really well through play um you could also read books about it you know if, if it's talking about a parking lot you could get you know a, a safety lesson type kid book i'm sure there's plenty um but really thinking about where does my child struggle most with safety and how can we talk about it in a way that the child is going to be open to listening and Play is always a great option. Books are always a great option or just sitting and talking about it, um, depending on your child's age and and personality. Um, And then the other thing that I would encourage you to do is engage in some body awareness, impulse control games. So this would be things like Simon Says, uh, Red Light, Green Light, Freeze Dance, Freeze Take. All of these things are requiring your child to Work on building up the awareness of their own body because sometimes that can be a challenge depending on your child and their age and um, just kind of their sensory processing and all sorts of different factors. But also impulse control, as we know, is challenging for everyone really, but especially your littler kids and... Um, and especially if you notice just regulation wise they have trouble, then impulse control is probably a big thing for them. So, finding fun ways to help them learn some of that impulse control is a great way to prepare them for situations where they need to engage in it. Um, so, I hope that was helpful. I'm just gonna go through them really quickly again so you have a good <laughs> round out. So, set expectations and clearly communicate them several times, hold a firm boundary. You know whether it's they need to hold your hand or be carried or whatever it is for the situation you're in and then follow through with it. No matter what, if your child is thrashing around, if you need to put them back in the car until they can calm down a little bit, do that. If you feel like this is a challenge for your child or you haven't practiced a lot of listening sessions, then give yourself more time because what I've always found is when we don't give ourselves the time and then our child has a behavior or is communicating to us that this is challenging for them, then that's when we get frustrated because now we're like stressing out because we're going to be late or, you know, we're going to, I don't know, whatever else. And then, then we start being triggered and then we take it out on our kids and then it makes the situation worse. So if you already know you have a child who tends to run, Make sure that you are giving yourself time, at least these first few times that you're implementing these strategies so that if they have a meltdown and you feel like I cannot go into this building with a child like this because it's too difficult for me, then bring them back to the car and just say, when you're ready, we're going to go, we're going to get out and, um, you know, walk back in together. Or maybe it's something fun, like a piggyback ride. You know, you don't have to just hold my hand, but you could make it more fun for them too. Um, If you haven't or if you don't currently regularly and consistently practice holding a limit and listening all the way through the upset, I would highly, highly encourage you to do that. Not only will this be good for these types of situations, but it will help behavior in general. Plus, it will help build your connection, which improves behavior and so many good things. It will help with just overall mental health, emotional health all of that amazing stuff. And then in the meantime, you know, before you're in these instances, learn about safety reasons with pretend play, with books, talking about it, participate in some type of body awareness or impulse control games that your child is really into and can have fun with. And again, play, your child needs play to learn. So the more you can play and make it fun, the more your child will be able to, to do it. So um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me either by email or um, Instagram. I am currently working on a mini course for aggressive behavior. So if you are somebody who has a child that struggles with more of those physical behaviors—hitting, kicking, biting, throwing—that sort of stuff—and you just feel like you're at your wit's end and you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do because nothing is working, then this is going to be the course for you. It's you know, it's not going to be super long. I feel like saying it as a course feels like it's going to be intense, but, um, it's going to be, you know, three, three three-ish modules, just short, maybe like an hour's time total. And it will walk you through step-by-step what to do in those instances, frequently asked questions, additional tips and tricks that I think are important for people to be aware of. And this is going to be a way to drastically decrease, possibly eliminate, but sometimes things can flare up again, um, these aggressive behaviors in a way that is not using manipulation strategies. So if that's something that you're interested in, please get on the wait list because um even if you would choose not to purchase, like there's there's no there's no commitment or anything, but if you would decide once the course is launched to um you know to purchase it, then you will also get one free week of Voxer access. So, if you don't know what that is, that is essentially like one on one coaching and instant messaging with me for a week, which is a $200 value. And you will get that for free if you were on the waitlist. So, if you're not sure whether you feel like this is something you want to do or not, just go on the waitlist either way. That way, if you decide, you have the opportunity for this extra bonus. And if not, no harm, no foul. You don't have to do anything. It's not committing you to anything. Um, If you are really struggling with behavior and you want some specific help, please reach out to me um, and let's set up an info call. Now, an info call is just my opportunity to hear directly from you. What are you struggling with? What behaviors? What triggers? Um, What are your goals? What is your budget or the finances that you feel are available to put towards some coaching what type of learning style do you like, you know? Um, and once I gather all that information from you, then I can direct you to a program that might fit you best. And from, from that info call, then if you want to hear about the program that I think would suit you and your family, then we go on another call. I share all of the details, every single possible thing about that program, how it's run, why I do the things I do, um, how I support you and, um payment plans, all that stuff, and from that call, then you have 48 hours to decide if it's something that you want to do or not. So at no point during these two calls do you have to tell me, yes, I want to do this or no I don't or commit. Um, It's just getting you the information. First me giving getting the information from you in that info call, then you getting the information and then taking that information, having a discussion with your spouse if that's your current situation, and then making the decision obviously if you want to make it on the call you can um but you don't there's no pressure to do that uh, because I think it's important to you know make sure it's a good fit so um if you feel like that's something that you're interested in wanting to do an info call I will actually put my calendar link in the show notes so you can just go on there and pick a time that works for you and if you can't find something please let me know because I do have some flexibility it's just kind of hard to put different times on there. So I have some selected and if that doesn't work for you, let me know so we can work it out. Okay. With that, I hope you have a good weekend and I will talk with you next week. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors.